Welcome to another episode of The Gridiron, courtesy of the Drive Podcast Network. Check us out at thedrivepodcast.net. On my week 9 through 10, 11, 12, predictions for the 2016 NFL season are up. So go ahead and check those out when you get a chance. Next week, I'm going to put the remaining weeks up. And then the following week, I'll have my playoff predictions leading up to my eventual Super Bowl picks. Joining me today on The Gridiron again, coming back on back-to-back weeks. Thank you very much for joining us again, Leo Velasquez. Hey, Adam. Thanks for having me back. I'm glad I made the cut this week. Um, <laughs> I think I'm going to start having to request a contract. Um, and speaking of contracts, uh, I have a first first question for us for the evening. Um, what do you think? Is Andrew Luck's new contract good for football, or is it just good for him? Well, what is it? $84 million guaranteed, right? Yeah, I think that's the biggest deal of it all. Um, not necessarily the total money. Mm-hmm. Uh, guaranteed money that's the most ever yeah it's almost kind of like a d- different kind of markets in the united states whether it's housing whether it's investment in anything else it just continues to increase for a while except that in the nfl unless there's some kind of big reform where you have a serious crackdown on cap space or serious regulations on contracts it's it's going to continue escalating especially when you're seeing some of these crazy contracts in some of the other leagues that are happening especially with what we're seeing right now in the nba free agency but i think that the contract is good for andrew luck i think especially after a season like the one he had clearly the colts are banking on that being kind of an aberration and it's not going to happen every year and he is going to be the quarterback that they thought he was going to be but it's also good for the remaining quarterbacks or the remaining players that were drafted in 2013 and after who are going to be the ones that are going to get their paydays next year because it sets kind of like the next low point, you know, or the next point of comparison for guys that are coming up and are going to be negotiating those contracts. So it's good for Andrew Luck. But at the same time, as much as I like it, I, I like that these guys are getting paid just because they are their, their careers are pretty short. And... For almost everyone, by the time they hit 40, they need to either be looking for another job or have enough in the bank, kind of like Peyton Manning, to let their money work for them for the rest of their lives. Many of these guys don't have the foresight to do that early on, so these big contracts kind of help. When you have someone like Andrew Locke with the maturity that he possesses and the advisors that he has, I think it's good for him. But what I do kind of question is whether more money should be guaranteed in these contracts because his total contract was over 100 million right was it 110 114 yeah they called it 140 total um but really it's for that's for five years including his last rookie year uh, rookie deal so really it's about 124 125 yeah and i'm sure and most of it is probably incentive laden right like he he has to reach a certain number of Hmm. provisions or, or goals in this contract in order to get the money that isn't guaranteed i'm not sure a big chunk of it is guaranteed though so i don't know yeah. i'm not sure what the rest of it but even the one that's guaranteed like do you think he's gonna play that out because they're not gonna let the five years go by before they either resign him or before he starts looking for another deal so it's actually a, a, even a bigger contract because his last year is probably gonna be renovated or like a new contract Right. Who knows what what it's going to be at that point. Mm -hmm. And so, I don't know, like you were saying, is is it good for the rest of the NFL? Do you think that eventually you hit a point where these numbers are just, like the players are not deserving of this money? 
it's we're in the you know the whole situation with the NBA players right now. I think they increased the NBA increased the salary cap by twenty four million dollars, and I I think I, I like that Andrew Luck is getting paid. Um, he deserves it, especially when this the guy in um with the Texans just got paid and did not deserve probably a penny of that money. Mm-hmm. Uh, what's his name? Osweiler. And uh, the only thing that you had to think about is that the salary cap um, for his team right now. And you have all these players around the league that are tweeting out and congratulating him on getting paid. But I think those players are just being selfish, just like ready, salivating at when it's their turn to get the new contract. And right. it seems like in the, in the last few years, um, each new contract that comes up is always the next largest contract ever. You know, it's not necessarily like you're the best player. It's just that's what, what uh, they're demanding now. They're demanding so much more than they used to. And the teams just keep biting and keep paying them out. But yeah, so the contracts are getting larger and the salary cap is getting the same. And in the NBA, I get it. Like, they're the, I, I think the, the salary cap for the teams are about the same as the NFL, except that the, the NBA has five times fewer players total in the team, in a roster, and four times fewer starters. So the you know NFL, they have at least, what, 22 starters on offense and defense plus special teams. And NBA, there's five starters or maybe six um, starting caliber players. So I don't know. I think eventually either the NFL is going to have to up their salary cap or they're going to have to figure it out in the new uh, contract agreement with the NFL Player Association because these contracts are just getting ridiculous, not just for quarterbacks. And not ridiculous, it's just they're taking up so much more space uh, of the salary cap, which leaves the other 52 players. You know, it's 52 total players or more because people, uh, players get injured every week, every, every year, and so you're paying out more contracts than even the people on your roster. So. I think it's bad for the NFL, um, or they're going to have to figure out a way to basically, I guess, increase the salary cap. There's no other way around it. Don't you think there's something to, and I don't think he gets enough credit for this, because he will never go down as a guy that's been the highest paid player in the NFL, even though he's one of the best. There's something to what Tom Brady does, right? How, Despite, he should be getting the contracts that are comparable in numbers to some of these huge ones, but he always takes pay cuts so that the team can spend on other players. And I don't think enough is made out of that. Do you think it's surprising that more players don't do that? Or do you think that maybe the players themselves, when they, when they get into these contract talks, maybe they don't have the trust in their general managers that they're going to be able to use that money wisely and they'd rather just put it in the bank? Because at the end of this season, we could very well be saying that Andrew Luck and the Colts didn't succeed because their surrounding talent wasn't there. But right. we'll never say, well, Andrew didn't give up some of his money to get him that talent. The first part that you mentioned, I think Tom Brady does get paid pretty well. He's not the top play- paid, but he still makes around the $20 million a year mark. But yeah, no, I think, you know, you hear, you hear like these guys say like, no, I would play even without the money. Yet they're holding out. They're, you know, they're, they're in really strong negotiations, you know, not, you know, biting at the, at the first contract that's offered at them. And so, no, it's not about the love of the game. It's about the money. And part of it could be that, yeah, you're right. They're not sure that their general manager is going to utilize whatever pay cut they take um, wisely. 
But I think, you know, the Patriots, you know, we love the Patriots in terms of how they run the organization, the coaching and everything. That's the right way to do it. I mean, if you're really there to win championships, you got to make some sacrifices. There's no reason why you need to be making over $20 million a year and on a sucky team, basically, because you're taking up so much salary space. But Do you think there's a difference between being a skills position player compared to being like an offensive lineman if you're in, if you're in a position where maybe you don't have as much control over the outcome of the game or maybe as much tangible control over the outcome of the game do you kind of just want to get your paycheck maybe i guess i'm just alluding or referring to specifically those offensive and linemen you know how they get these massive paychecks sometimes and you never hear them trying to take pay cuts or anything because if, if i'm a big guy who's like busting my body every day in that line of scrimmage like i could care less what the team does with the remainder of my money you know but it's different compared to like quarterback or receiver yeah it's like you mentioned earlier uh they they don't you know they never know when their last snap is gonna be so for linemen at least offensive linemen i get it man those guys play every single snap like i think outside of the quarterback they're the only other a position that will play every single snap and it's you know it's not easy every single snap is pretty pretty intense so th- th- those guys i'm okay with <laughs> they can get paid but a quarterback uh, and they're the, obviously quarterbacks the most important player on the team but they should be they should have that you know they should want that the, the championship you know more than the money because they're gonna make the money regardless even if you're making 15 million dollars a year they're gonna be making money on promotions Mm-hmm. Once once they're done, they're probably going to be a uh, radio host at the very minimum, if not TV host. Right. You know, they have a career uh, after the NFL or just money coming in, in after the NFL. Most of the other positions don't have that luxury. So, And, and uh, quarterbacks have a much longer uh, career to, and to make more money. So, yeah, I would like to see quarterbacks saying, taking a little bit more pay cuts if, you know, if the team needs it. If, if their team is in a situation where they need a little bit more money for, for skilled positions, maybe, maybe the the quarterback should have some say in where that money goes to. But yeah, I mean, they have to figure something out. I think at the end of it, what's going to have to happen is that the NFL is gonna, going to have to increase their salary cap to get so many players paid. I mean, 53-plus players getting paid every year, that's, that's a lot to budget for. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, congratulations to... Andrew Luck and, and his big payday, and I guess now we wait up for the next big that? one. Probably Von Miller, right? He's he's probably gonna have to get paid pretty soon. Oh yeah. So we'll see we'll see what happens with him. And one of the best places to see at least a small hint or aspect of these negotiations and what goes on beyond the scenes is on shows like HBO's Hard Knocks and now the new series that came out on courtesy of nfl films and amazon prime members can watch it called all or nothing which features the arizona cardinals 2015 season and it goes through their entire trajectory from the draft training camp to the progression of all of their games leading up to their playoff defeat against the carolina panthers and i in particular love these shows i started really getting into hard knocks a couple of years ago and watched my first full season of it last year and then um almost finished with the all or nothing series really like seeing all that background work and as i was watching these series i was thinking 
how players say that eventually, as the time goes on, whether it's on HBO's Hard Knocks, where you're just doing the preseason, or even here with the Cardinals, they're talking about how as time goes on, they kind of forget that the cameras are there. And I, I kind of buy that, but at the same time, I kind of feel that that's not the case. I don't think you can ever really ignore the fact that you're being filmed, whatever the case is that you may be doing, whether it's at home or, or on practice field or on the playing field. And so I started thinking, I wonder if this has an effect overall on teams and the outcomes of their seasons. And... I guess I just wanted to throw that question out. Do you think that being on camera and being conscious of the fact that you're on camera and maybe more for the Cardinals because this was for an entire season as opposed to just the preseason and hard knocks, do you think that that has an effect on, on how you play during the season and either a benefit or a detriment to teams' overall performance? Well, first of all, I just wanted to say this uh, show, All or Nothing, is an incredibly well-produced show. Heck yes. And I, I think... I'm not sure who reached out to who if uh, who decided that the Cardinals would be on that team, but Bruce Arians is the guy to have a camera on him. You know, he's so entertaining and mm-hmm. yeah, he's great for the job. I couldn't picture some other coaches. You know, they would be so boring. And it looks anyways, so natural, right? Like he's not yeah. he's not trying he's not playing a role. He's not faking it for the camera. I feel like that's his his persona. Yeah, it doesn't seem like it, it seems pretty natural on his on his part. But yeah, going back to your question. Um, I did a bit of just superficial research, uh, basically going through Wikipedia and looking at each team who was on Hard Knocks and looking at their, the season before, the season during Hard Knocks, and the season afterwards. And it seemed, I, I couldn't really find the trend whether team, some teams performed better during their Hard Knocks season, some teams performed worse. It was really hard to find a trend for me. Yeah, I saw... This article on sportingnews.com that was published last year, and they kind of went back and looked at all of the teams that have participated in Hard Knocks ever since 2002, and they came up with the overall records of teams in the seasons following their participation, and it couldn't be more like right down the middle. So yeah. the to- total wins versus total losses was 73 to 71. So that's a winning percentage of 507. Playoff appearances are four with three playoff wins. So a playoff win percentage of 428. <laughs> Almost like if you had to justify that it has no effect whatsoever on the season, you can't get any better than with those stats. I don't know. I just I, I look at the just the Texans of this past year, right? And and you you saw the hype that JJ Watt got in that HBO Hard Knocks season from last year. And then pretty much throughout the entire year, I feel like maybe it's just because I watched the series, but just from listening to radio shows and watching the season progress and television, I feel like J.J. Watt blew up this year. And that catalyst, I think, was Hard Knocks. And whether whether it's consciously putting pressure on him or not, I think that it is something that made him push a little harder whether it was in practice, whether it was in football games. So in that respect, that it did have a tangible effect there. Wasn't J.J. Watt Defensive Player of the Year the year before, too, though? Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I don't know. I think, I, I think he was in progression of blowing up, but I don't know. I, I, I think the Texans are just a good team that are they're missing a quarterback. That's why I, I was thinking that the signing of Brock Eisweiler was kind of justified, even though they overpaid for him. 
Um, just because it seems like all they need is a is a quarterback now, you know, to bring them over to the top. Just a, a, a decent quarterback, at least, kind of like Peyton Manning was for the Broncos in the last year. Or I guess maybe Brock Osweiler might be Brock Osweiler might be a little better. I don't know. I don't. I don't. I don't think it had too much of an effect. Maybe it did on just a single player like uh, JJ Watt, like you're mentioning. But as a team, I, I don't know that it would really impact the the season. But even more than that, because so yeah, JJ Watt, like on the field, he was definitely on the rise. But I don't think in the media or just overall his personality off the field blew up as much as until after this show. And then another thing that I think really was interesting was an interesting dynamic was a quarterback controversy that happened last year. Do you remember they had yeah. uh, either Ryan Mallett or Brian Hoyer, and they really played that up on Hard Knocks, where like they made it super dramatic. Where, yeah. Where, where the coach is like, I selected you to be <laughs> the starter, you know? And yeah. you saw that constant battle going on throughout the season. But I don't know. You're, like, you're right. Maybe it didn't have an effect. Maybe it was just the media focusing on that because it was a continuation of what happened on, on Hard Knocks. Or maybe they would have given it the same focus had they not been on it. Imagine getting fired on HBO like that, you know? Like, hey, yeah, you're, you're, you're not the quarterback anymore. That's, that, that must have been hard. And I remember uh, hearing last year that these quarterbacks, like, they were battling out during the season as well. And when one of them got injured, the other guy was happy about it. Yeah. So maybe, <laughs> you know, that, that was – that he wouldn't have been so emotional about it had he not been fired on television like that. Possibly. And, you know, it, better – you know, it might have made the team better connected to each other and not be thinking about the media and everybody, everybody in the whole, you know, nation looking into their lives like that. But maybe, again, it just it depends on the individual person how something affects you, you know? Right. Something, sometimes a certain pressure will make you crack, and sometimes the pressure will make you, you know, come out of it and use that pressure to succeed. So, yeah, I guess you're, maybe you're, you're onto something that J.J. Watt used it in a positive manner. Um, as you know, well, I'm, I'm on TV so much now, I better be good. <laughs> like Ryan Matthews would probably have panic attacks every day if he was on hard knocks, huh? <laughs> <laughs> I, that guy, we used to get nosebleeds at the beginning of his career. Uh, they had to have sur- he has to have surgery for it. I don't know what they did, but yeah, he would definitely be nervous. Do you think that it's a good idea for the Rams to have accepted this? Like they're going through this whole transition where you're pretty much moving an entire team, and at the same time you're putting cameras on there in their first season here in Los Angeles. I bet it's gonna sell tickets. It's it's all about the ticket. I don't think it's good for them as a, you know, as in their win loss record. I bet it's gonna affect them negatively if if at all. But it's definitely selling the tickets, you know. And that's they want to make a strong uh, homecoming to LA, and make sure that the stadium is packed. So it's good in a way. It's bad in a way. Uh, what do you think? And they might be returning the favor to the NFL for choosing them to be allowed to move to. Awesome. Right, because <laughs> because uh, hard knocks. It's not like people uh, teams are knocking on hard knocks door. Like, hey, no, Phil must. It's actually uh, there's like some certain rules. Like, if you were not able to make it to the playoffs, and if you had a certain record, then we might pick you to be on hard knocks. Like, you know, I, I think most teams don't want to be on hard knocks. They don't. Yeah. Well, we'll see how that plays out this year for the Rams. And I really hope, I'm not sure if they're going to continue the whole following one team throughout the entire season, but if they can do something with a different team like they did with the Cardinals, I, I, 
I'd be all over that next year whenever that gets released. Yeah, that's that's gonna be fun. You and I are very familiar with one of the most popular podcasts that I've taken off in the past couple of years, or in the past year, I think, maybe not even that long, in Serial, when they first talked about the case of, for those of you not familiar with it, they talked about the case of a high school student that was charged with the murder of his girlfriend when he was 17 years old, and he's been in prison now for the pretty much half of his life, 17 years. and. Recently, they kind of started looking, re-looking into the investigation and trying to find whether there was enough evidence to convict them or not. And last week, we found that they were going to vacate the conviction, and that'll probably lead into a process that'll lead to a retrial for this young, or now 30-something-year-old man who spent half of his life in prison. As these events were taking place, I'm always shocked by how long these proceedings take, whether it's for a trial or for an appeal. Uh, an appeal to an appeal, et cetera. And I started thinking of the Tom Brady versus the NFL thing going on, how we're pushing now on two years of this. And it's for something so trivial because you're talking about millionaires suing millionaires over whether someone's going to sit out a couple of games and be suspended and probably be suspended with pay. Who knows? But it started getting me thinking whether even just talking about just sports trials or even just any kind of trials like this, any kind of case like this, should it take precedence over cases in the United States where you are dealing with a life and death situation or dealing with life sentencing for individuals? Because I think that's one of the fundamental problems with our judicial system because these cases drag on and it's because our courts are filled with cases such as this. I I understand what you're saying and I think the answer is it depends who you are. You know, if you're if if you're in one side of the situation, you're gonna want your case to be heard first, regardless of, you know, a life and death situation or someone in life in prison, just because you probably have been going through that system yourself for many months or years now, way too long, basically. And so what's important to me is not important to you, and what's important to you is not important to me. Like we live in a selfish world. Um but if you're talking about the Tom Brady situation, I mean, that shouldn't even be in court. So, right? <laughs> yeah. So um, they should just move on to better, to more imp- int- uh, important things. But just overall, like, my philosophy is, like, I, I understand that, you know, someone's not going to give their seat in the line, basically, uh, to someone else, even if they, the other person or case, whatever, um, is more important. In a way, because what's at the end of the day, what's most important to you is yourself and those around you, you know. Um, but it is kind of kind of um, sad that you know, in our American judicial system, where 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 we probably have the most lawsuits in the world by two or three times uh, the next contender. Um, there's there's just so many cases that are. There's just so many cases that are really silly and just selfish that they take up the time away from the important ones. Um, but yeah, I, I guess I, I know your thoughts on that. You, what, what, do you have anything to say further? Yeah, I just think I'm shocked by it because you look at any time that sports and law gets into the mix, I can kind of see for what happened with maybe the O.J. Simpson trial. And, and that was we're talking murder there. And 
he's it's tangentially related to sports because he's an athlete, but that's not the prime thing there. But then you also look into like cases where you've had players versus unions and how that can get up to the legal system. You talk about the NBA and the issue that they had a couple of a few years ago now, where you had a referee that was pretty much betting on games that he was calling. That goes to court. He goes to jail. Even something as serious as that, I think, should take a backseat to life and death concerns. And like you say, whatever matters to a certain individual is going to be the most important thing to that person at that time. But that, that kind of should then put the onus on our government and our legislature to say, okay, we're going to set... I don't know, different levels or stagger the priority of different cases and, and get these resolutions played out because what ends up happening a lot of the times is that the reason that these trials are so expensive for some individuals are precisely because they're taking so long. So if you're an individual that has a legitimate case, even if it's not life and death, say like you were mistreated at work or at a hospital or by a financer and you want to fight against that, you may have a great case and all the evidence to back you up, but not enough money to sustain you over the amount of time that it takes to continue paying your lawyers for doing nothing while you await trial. And I'm not trying to take a shot at sports and saying that they take they soak up all the time, but there definitely does have to be kind of a change in priorities from the top down. Yeah, well, maybe they 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 could they should have like their own special courts, you know? Yeah. Um, where that's just a whole branch of the judicial system. And it's just like, I don't know, media-related, sports-related uh, versus... <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm, they should have better names, but the serious stuff and the silly stuff. Basically, right. Um, don't call it that, but that's, that's basically what it would be. You know, I feel like Tom Brady's case should be like on Judge Judy, you know? Or <laughs> like, you go in there and you settle it in 20, 30 minutes. <laughs> You're out, like... There's no appeals. There's no anything. It's like it's it can be so simple, but we drag things out. And yeah, then they they're really missing out on that uh, on the media market. There, they could they could make a show. You know? <laughs> can you imagine? <laughs> we would and we would all sit down and watch it. Oh yeah, no, for no. sure. <laughs> all right. Well, that's all the time we're gonna have for the great iron this week. I want to thank Leo again for for coming on, and uh, now we can call him a regular. Contributor. Oh yeah, and I'm pushing him. I I want him to, whenever he has the time, to write a piece for, for the drive, and on so blast, that, our, uh, huh? On blast. Yeah, so that our blog can get a little bit more diverse in, in perspectives, and, <laughs> and not and not wait until I give my Super Bowl prediction so that he could just go and bash them. Hey, show me the money, baby. Show me the money. If Andrew Luck taught me one thing. Show me the money. <laughs> that 84 million. Hey, I'll take 84 bucks guaranteed. <laughs> when I get them, I'll share. All right. All right. Thanks a lot, bud, for joining me. And uh, hoping to have you again next week. All right, man. Thank you. All right. Thank you all for listening. Visit us at drivepodcast.net. Check out all the content we have on there. And again, check out my weeks 9 through 12. 9, 10, 11, 12. Yeah, 9 through 12 predictions. Weeks 13 through 17 coming up next week. Thanks for listening.